This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. It's Tuesday night, and our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Happy to be here with you. If you want to join us, give us a call. And a few things I want to talk about, right? I think right now, or just, um, he's about to wrap up, uh, Donald Trump on the Fox News channel doing a town hall with uh, Sean Hannity. We've got a couple of clips of audio there of him responding to some barbs that were thrown his way from President Biden. Biden, uh, again, Biden said this when he ran originally. He said, you know, if it wasn't Trump that was running for president, I wouldn't have ran. And he's uh, doubling down on that now, saying he would not have run if if Trump wasn't running. And I, I believe that because he literally based his entire campaign on beating Trump, not on what he could do for America. It wasn't until, uh, you know, uh, way after the primary that he came up with um, – his version of make America great again. And he called it build back better. And as we know, nothing's built, nothing's back and nothing's better. But Joe El Baboso Biden uh, has it in for Trump. And uh, Trump definitely um, responded to him a little while ago on the Fox News channel. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit of that. What do we got here? Let me see which ones we have. We have. Let's go with the one you've got lined up. Earlier today, Joe Biden, I'm sure he mumbled the words as usual. He said, he said this, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, he said at a campaign event today. How do you, how do you react to that? Well, I think somebody gave him a talking point. They thought that would sound good. You know, I just found out that Democrats are funding Nikki Haley's campaign. I hear that Democrats are contributing to Ron DeSantis's or Ron DeSanctimonious to Ron DeSantis's campaign. And then you hear the talking points. That's the only thing they're good at, cheating on elections and great talking points. They say, we want to run against Trump. They want to run. Well, we did really well in 2016, and we did so much better in 2020. The person they don't want to run against is us. It's us. It's not me. It's us. Because it's a movement... The likes of which this country, Sean, has never seen before. So Trump uh, definitely let him know what was going on, what was on his mind. And he's right. Uh, Trump is really in a, in a, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Trump fan. But I really have to say, just from a real 
um, political observer position. I've never seen anything like this. I don't think you have either. I can't think of a time in American history, at least as far as polling goes, and and this type of uh, energy and enthusiasm for a candidate that's literally, you know, one foot in the jail cell the way they'd like to have it. And he's doing so well. He hasn't showed up to a single debate. Right. He does a rally whenever whenever they do a debate, he does a competing rally. They got a debate coming up now. He said, all right, I'll do something on Fox News with Hannity, just me and him one on one town hall style. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a brilliant strategy, whether you like it or not. You have to acknowledge the brilliance of it. Um, you can say it's unfair. You could say he's skirting the system. You could say a lot of things and that's fine. Um, but it's brilliant. Nonetheless, it's definitely helping him. And uh, over the weekend, I, I was uh, part of a of a TV show called Wise Guys on Newsmax TV with John Tobacco, who's been a guest on our program before. And they did a man on the street interview. And the responses that people were sharing with respect to how they felt about Biden. And again, this is an 87 percent Democrat area uh, with predominantly minorities. I don't think there was a person that was interviewed on that show, uh, again, walking on the streets of the Bronx that was not a minority and every single one of them not only said they weren't voting for Biden, they were angry at Biden. And, and I think that's uh, important to know, right? It's important to see that, you know, because of so many things that he's done and, and Trump doubled down on a couple of those things, whether it was um, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan or aid for Ukraine or the weakness that we're portraying uh, on the global stage that's causing so many things to go wrong. These are the same things people in the Bronx are seeing in addition to their pocketbook issues. And I've just never seen anything like this with an incumbent president. Uh, Play cut 24, Donald Trump. They left 85 billion, not million, billion dollars worth of military equipment behind in the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. And uh, the people of this country just don't want to take this anymore. So we gave them 85 billion. They killed our people and they have people there. They have Americans there that we didn't even get out. It was like a surrender. And after that, Russia said, well, you know, these people are incompetent. They're overrated. And they went in, they attacked Ukraine. That would have never happened. I agree with Trump that that wouldn't have happened, but it did happen. That's where we are. And I think that's why he is uh, in the position that he's in thus far with, you know, uh, two impeachments, um, four indictments, 91 felony counts, and uh, 400 years in jail is what he's facing. Uh, just uh, remarkable to me. Anyway, um, we've got a few things, uh, other things I wanted to, to get to. Uh, the special counsel in the Hunter Biden case uh, told Hunter Biden, absolutely not. You don't get to uh, subpoena Trump and Bill Barr. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. And we also have um, the congressman who filled in as the speaker, the temporary speaker, Patrick McHenry, uh, who um, we were talking about a couple of nights ago, who's very friendly to the banks in China and uh, doesn't um, doesn't bat an eyelash at anybody that wants to invest in Chinese banks. He's uh, announced that he is retiring at the end of his term. And all I could say is hopefully the next person is um, someone that will prevent China or prevent people from investing in, in these Chinese banks so that we're not funding our adversaries, a.k.a. enemies. Anyway, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff tonight. Uh, I want to talk about 
the um, backlash amongst Biden, the, there's a bunch of people, uh, in particular Muslim leaders in swing states, that are saying, you know what, they're not interested in how Joe Biden's handling the Hamas war. I want to uh, touch on that. I also want to touch on my buddy Gold Bar Bob. That's right, uh, Senator Bob Menendez, U.S. Senator from New Jersey. Um, apparently now the gold bars they found in his house this wasn't just stuff he was saving for a rainy day because he's Cuban, like he said. No, no, no. These things have serial numbers, and they were tracked to a, a violent robbery. So we'll, we'll talk about that as well. And uh, I also want to get into a conversation about how uh, one individual interrupted an entire sex trafficking operation. Uh, we're going to get to that a little bit further ahead. And um, and before the night's over, we're going to talk about how many people lie on their resumes. Well, right now, people are estimating that it's 70 percent of workers are lying on resumes. Um, I didn't think the number was quite that high. I probably would have said about a third. Um, this number blows me away. That means, you know, you're bound to get lied to if you're hiring somebody. So anyway, we're going to get into all that stuff and more great guests tonight. Of course, your calls, 833 833- for Valdez, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, and check this out. Uh, I wanted to start with this story about the uh, Muslims, um, you know, defecting in swing states on on Joel Baboso Biden. But I'm really interested in talking about Gold Bar Bob, as uh, we call him here. Gold Bar Bob and his... uh, (laughs) It, it, how they're linked to a robbery. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, who, who would really have a good time talking about this stuff? And I, I, I thought of Captain Deplorable himself, Sean Farish, one of the one of my favorite podcasters. And he is the host of a podcast called Ungoverned. You can check it out on Rumble. Sean Farish, welcome back, sir. Oh, Rich Valdez. Great to be on uh, on your show. I, I always love coming on. And uh, again, I just every time I come on, I always got to say it. You know, it's just, I'm just so happy to see someone like you've been spending so much time under, you know, not under. I know it was never like, you know, I guess Mark doesn't like when you say that. But, you know, in the presence of Mark Levin, yeah. the great one. And uh, you could hear it, man. I'm sick. I'm just excited that, you know, your show is doing so well and Thank that you. you're doing well. And, uh, and it's always a pleasure to be here. Amen to that, brother. And right back at you. Um, and I, I want to, to get your take on this because we've got Gold Bar Bob, right? Gold Bar Bob, because the gold bars that were found in Senator Bob Menendez's home were linked to a 2013 armed robbery. And that's according to a report. I'm looking at it in the New York Post. Now, four of the gold bars, apparently there was more, that were stashed at his home were previously stolen from the businessman accused of bribing him. So, Sean Farish, this is, I mean, you can't, the comedy writes itself, right? You, you really can't make it up. 
The serial numbers uh, on the the gold found by the FBI during the raid that they did last year on his home, not far from my home. He lives in Inglewood Cliffs. That's the the ritzy part of town. Uh, I'm not that far away from there. They match the identifiers that Mr. Davies, Fred Davies, reported to the police from a 2023 armed robbery. And that's uh, being reported by NBC News. The robbers made off with half a million in cash and 22 gold bars from his home in Edgewater, New Jersey, during the 2013 heist. Now the cops say that um, they've got four suspects and recovered the stolen gold. The matching serial numbers indicate that authorities have directly linked at least some of the gold found in Menendez's home to Davies, who, uh, again, was the owner of the gold and said it was stolen. So I think the question now becomes, did did Davies rob himself? and then slide the gold bars over to Gold Bar Bob? What do you say, Sean Farish? Oh, I don't know what happened in this story. It just kind of hit like crazy. And, the, and the, like, I know everyone, there are, there are journalists and folks that are trying to get to the truth of what happened. I'm just trying to figure out what Bob Menendez did that made this happen or come out so far. What Democrat did he get upset uh, what, what Democrat, what Democrat is unhappy with Bob Menendez so that they deployed this and who is waiting in they the wings in like New Trump. Jersey? Right. You know, like, like, why are they treating him like Trump? You know, they never do this, but I mean, I don't want to say never, they did it to Andrew Cuomo. Remember that they did it to Andrew Cuomo. Um, it wasn't a Republican led yep. effort in New York that, that ousted Cuomo from the governorship. It was a Democrat led effort, you know, and now you're seeing, I think the same type of thing happening to Eric Adams in New York city, where again, he's the FBI is seizing his phones over campaign donations. And, and it's just, it's very odd. So, um, you know, it's weird to see the Democrats do this to their own people. And yet you still see when they, quote unquote, do this to their own people, you still see how Republicans continue to be the New York Jets of politics and beat themselves. And I'm a Jets fan. I'm saying that, you know, because (laughs) it's just been years upon years upon years of pain watching the New York Jets. Republicans beat themselves. They just expelled George Santos. And look, we could say whatever we want about how George Santos got the Congress and was it ethical and should he have said the things that he said? And by the way, and I, these are all allegations still, nothing has been convicted, proven in a court of law. We've only, these are all allegations and George Santos is innocent till proven guilty. Right. Um, But you have on the other side of the aisle, Jamal Bowman, who was convicted. He pled guilty to pulling the fire alarm. This is a criminal now, a criminal and a bad liar, Rich, a really bad liar. Oh, I well, was he was trying to open the door. door. Yeah, well, he was trying. That, that's a great story if he tried to use the door, but he pulled it, went the wrong way. Like, people don't understand. He pulls the alarm and then doesn't try to use the door that he told America he tried to open. This Love is it. insanity, right? So, but Republicans beat themselves. You have Menendez, Gold Bar Bob involved in, I don't know what. That is, you know, here's my speculation, Sean Ferris, just to give you a little context from my perspective. This is not the first time they came after him. And each time it was when there was a pro Iranian regime in charge. Right. So last time it was Obama. Obama wanted to uh, implement JCPOA. Menendez was the sole Democrat that said absolutely not. He was chair of the Foreign Relations Committee. And he said, you know what, my constituency, there's a lot of Cubans and uh, these people, they don't like these these crazies in Iran. And I can't do it. It's not a good look for America. 
And whether he was being altruistic or, or being pressured by his constituents, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, I think this is where the uh, rubber met the road, and that's why I decided to do it. I think he's in the same position now. And uh, again, now we have another pro-Iranian regime, uh, the Biden administration, with a lot of leftovers and um, um, retreads from the Obama administration. And voila, let's get rid of um, Menendez, who's, you know, honestly, if you, if you look at his voting record and whatnot, he used to be very liberal. But if you look at him today, he, by their standards compared to progressives, he's he's somewhat conservative, which is kind of crazy. So, uh, you know, he didn't move as far to the left as the rest of his party. And I think that's probably why they're coming at him. Yeah, I, I, I think that's part of it. And, you know, there may be some other underlying issues that he may have with some powerful people that they just decided to deploy this. I mean, it's not to say that he's being framed. I definitely think there's wrongdoing there. And that's the Democrat Party platform. It's a point that I've been trying to make for the last couple of weeks because you're seeing Joe Biden struggling in, in national polling. You're seeing uh, uh, Donald Trump surging in national polling. And you're starting to see this talk that Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee, right, that he's not going to be actually on the ballot in 2024. And, and that, you know, that's an interesting thing to look at. But I, I say let's not let the Democrats do what I think they're going to try to do again. They did this in New York last uh, last cycle. They replaced Andrew Cuomo with a fresh face the last second, you know, a year and a half out of out of election yep. uh, time. And they they were able to distance Kathy Hochul from the disaster, the covid disaster that was Andrew Cuomo. Roe versus Wade happened on the ballot. She just so happened to be a woman and it all worked out in New York. I don't think they're, they, I think they think that that play will work again. Uh, that little type of, of flea flicker, you know, where they'll yeah. pull Biden, they'll drop Newsom in there. They'll say, Oh no, Gavin's not Joe. He's different. This, that, and the other. No, no, no. Corruption, totalitarianism, the police state tyranny, whatever you want to call it. That is the Democrat party platform. It's not Biden that's toxic. It's not Bob Menendez that's toxic. It's not Andrew Cuomo or Eric Adams that's toxic. It's the Democrat Party and the left as a whole that is toxic. And I think it's incumbent. It is imperative that Republicans, people on our side, you don't want to call yourself a Republican, fine, push that message. It's not just Joe. Don't let them blame one man. This is their party and their movement that's missed. You got it. Sean Farish, I think you're on to something. We're going to continue with you straight ahead. Stick with us. Folks, we're on with Sean Farish. He's the host of Ungoverned. Check it out at rumble.com. It's a video podcast. You won't be disappointed. And folks, we're coming right back to you. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, familia. So check this out, amigos. Uh, you know, on any given moment, I can scroll through my phone and go through Instagram. I don't mess with TikTok because they might, you know, spy on me. Not to say the other ones won't, but uh, I'm typically scrolling through Instagram uh, or through the other, you know, Truth Social and stuff like that. And uh, but on the more um, you know, the more left-leaning sites uh, like uh, TikTok or Instagram, you'll occasionally have um, these crazy videos. Now, there's never a shortage of pro-LGBTQ um, content on these websites as you're going through stories and whatnot. But every now and again, you'll hear things like uh, what they call the Sparkle Creed, which we've talked about before, or they'll say things like God is gay. Listen to this. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. Now, if that wasn't blasphemous and disrespectful enough, but again, it is free speech, they go as far as to say that Jesus is non-binary. Jesus was non-binary. Jesus had a beard and long, beautiful hair and related to every single human being that they ever met. He's not the son of God. God is non-binary. That Christian people are getting really mad when somebody implies that God is non-binary. Now, I play all of that for you to understand the climate of, of, of the country right now. And I want to get a reaction from our guest, Sean Farish. He's the host of Ungoverned on Rumble. And these people are not just um, on TikTok, but they're in many of your children's classrooms. And when your kids go on a school trip, they just might say, well, you get to bunk with another girl. Uh, not a biological girl, but another 11-year-old that identifies as a girl. Well, listen to this. I want to set this up before we bring Sean Farish back in. Uh, there's a parent in Colorado that's absolutely furious. She says her 11-year-old daughter was made to sleep in a bed with a biological boy who identified as transgender. On an overnight school trip, the girl only found out about her bedmate's transgender identity when they told her in the hotel room. Now, the school board's policy is that under no circumstances shall a transgender student be required to share a room with those of their original gender. But angry parents are demanding the right to know exactly what's going on and what the gender of their children's bedmates are. Now, listen, I think that makes sense because, again, the school's rule says you don't have to share a room with your original gender. Well, what the hell does that mean? So if you're born a boy, you don't share a room with a boy, but you could share a room with a girl, even though you're a boy, you're an 11-year-old with a penis? That's where I want my 11-year-old? Come on. The school board has to do better. The parents need to do better and say that they won't accept this. But Sean Farish, 
Uh, I want to get your reaction to this because it seems like there's never a shortage of crazy coming from the LGBTQ um, radicalized left. Well, look, and it's not, and, and, and I'm happy you're bringing this up because I think this is one of the best examples to sum, uh, summarize what, what, what's going on in the country right now on multiple fronts. So you have this culture blippage that's going on right now where we're just descending into complete insanity. So you asked a good question. Where are the parents on this? Well, part of this story, and we talked about it on Ungoverned today, was that the parents actually thought that this wasn't going to happen. They signed a permission slip obviously for this 11 year old to take a trip across the country to the East coast. And they were under the, uh, uh, under the assumption, under the impression that, um, that, that the nighttime activities of this trip would be, uh, under the condition that sexes, the individual sexes were segregated. Um, little did, did they know that their, their daughter, 11 years old was going to wind up in the bed with a biological boy. And of course, the school and the left and all of the, you know, the the woke cheerleaders are going to come out and go, well, it is because your gender identity is your sex. And no, no, no. You know, this is this is I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago. They go, well, Republicans are out of touch with reality. I said, you literally support the party that says men can get pregnant. I don't want to hear a word out of you <laughs> about who's in, in touch with reality or not. You know, um, but this is how it, it ultimately comes about, right? Look at this, how this goes full circle. So you have this issue and this is undoubtedly an issue. Okay. This is not okay. The fact that the parents weren't notified, uh, the fact that the student didn't have a choice, the fact that this was essentially forced on everybody involved is an issue in and of itself. But now put yourself in the position of these parents, right? The parents are going to do what? They're going to complain about it. They're going to probably go to the school board. They're going to talk about their uh, experiences publicly, they're probably going to be a little upset and they should be upset because this happened without their consent and without their knowledge. This isn't something that they said they wanted to happen. This is something that happened without their consent, without their knowledge. So they're going to be upset. All it takes, Rich, is one angry word said the wrong way at that school board meeting. And what happens to those? Parents? Well, now they're domestic terrorists and they're being right. surveilled by the FBI. And so that that comes in very nicely. I think it ties up this whole thing very nicely about these left wing outlets are coming out going, oh, we're afraid that Trump is going to be a dictator. Guys, New York Times, Washington Post, Atlantic, Salon, wherever, whoever the hell you are out there. The dictatorship is what you're living through now and what you're empowering. It's not Trump is going to be a dictator. You, you, the left, have enabled this dictatorship to take place. I mean, you have an FBI that is that is it is investigating concerned parents and labeling them domestic terrorists. You have the same FBI that is interviewing and interrogating clergymen in the Catholic Church in a domestic extremism probe. You have a regime that has put a former president, the chief political rival, under 91 felony counts through four different indictments. You have a regime that has cracked down and pressured companies and businesses to censor free speech uh, and, sen and, and censor dissenting speech because that's the path of least resistance. If you can just get everyone to be quiet, you have them jailing political opponents. I mean, it's this is the dictatorship. Castro would be amazed at what we've accomplished in three years. I mean, Stalin would be inspired to go even further because he's seeing it happening in the United States of America. Xi literally came to town. San Francisco gets cleaned up overnight, meaning they could have done it at any time. They just chose not to. And this story, I think, 
hits all of those different elements, right? That it, it highlights what could go wrong for the parents who have every single right to be upset. And what is being forced on children in these schools? We said this was going to happen. People on our side of the aisle have been talking about this is where we're going to wind up. You know, when I was back on Long Island and we were getting people going all over, you know, different school boards, what happened? Mm -hmm. The SPLC put us on a list, labeled us an extremist group. All of a sudden, then it said school board meetings dwindled because of this intimidation tactic that the left and their guy and, and, and their regime in power decided to employ and deploy on the American people. This story should be gaining far more, you know, it, it's a shame in this country that a, the story of a teacher being told to take a pride flag down gets more engagement and more buzz than an 11-year-old girl being forced to sleep in the same bed as a boy halfway across the United States, away from the parents, without the parents' knowledge. This is disgusting. I cannot believe that we're speaking about this, and it's not the only place things like this are happening. Wisconsin, an 18-year-old trans student in a high school exposed himself to four female freshman girls, meaning minors, were exposed right. to the parts of an adult, a legal adult, and we're told that's what equality looks like. This is progressivism. <laughs> we're moving in the right direction. How is that moving in the right direction? You, th there is no explanation. There's no justifiness. Folks, we are on with Sean Farish. Uh, you may have seen him um, doing some Trump impressions as Captain Deplorable. He's the host of Ungoverned, a great podcast on Rumble.com. He's with us for a couple of more minutes, and, uh, of course, we're going to get to your calls after that. 833-482-5337 is the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. goes welcome back and while you're getting ready and uh, on your way to work so you can earn a living take care of your family and support the democrats addiction to your tax dollars some people are watching the morning joke on msnbc and al sharpton was on the morning joke today and he says we're at a real cross-section of whether we're going to be a democracy or an autocracy check this out it, he is saying out loud, as loud as he can, as often as he can, exactly what he's going to do. And I think that many of us are caught up on things that are totally immaterial to the threat of the whole democratic process that Donald Trump is not only going to do, but he's going to criminalize by pardoning himself and possibly others of real crimes. I, I think it was Chris Christie that said accurately, he may be convicted before the election, which means he'd be the first American president if he was convicted of a felony by then that couldn't even vote for himself. So, I mean, we're running around the country telling young people register to vote, you need to come out, but we're gonna elect somebody who couldn't vote because of a criminal record. I mean, we are really at a, a, a real uh, cross-section of whether we're gonna be for democracy or, 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 uh, or, or an autocracy or a dictatorship. You know, that's Al Sharpton. Now, what's funny about this, Sean Farish, our guest Sean Farish, host of Ungoverned on Rumble.com, 
And when I was in fifth grade, I had to read through the entire Constitution as they taught it to us as part of social studies. And I remember Al Sharpton was the example given when they were teaching us about the Electoral College. And and the, the, my teacher, Mr. Banker, Gerald Banker, fifth grade at um, PS 197 in Brooklyn, he says, he says, you know, the Electoral College was made so that you could never have a, a tyranny of the majority. And, and and he used Sharpton. He said this way, a radical like Al Sharpton would never be elected president. And I think interesting how here he is uh, trying to malign Trump and, and praise Chris Christie, who was was a very good attorney and and uh, and a decent governor uh, in a very difficult blue state. But all that being said, I don't think Chris Christie has a real handle on the fact that Trump will be convicted before the election. I don't think anybody can really speculate on that. But Sean Farish, what's your reaction to Al Sharpton saying, if we elect Trump, we lose our democracy? Well, it's like I said, uh, you know, in the previous segment, the Democrats got the talking points. These left wing talking heads got the talking points and Trump's going to be a dictator. I remember uh, Al Sharp, by the way, talking about losing our democracy. We've never been in a democracy. We don't live in a democracy. We do Mm -hmm. use the democratic process, but we are a constitutional republic. Al Sharpton, same guy who uh, sat on MSNBC and I I ripped him on on, uh, ungoverned a few times and said, uh, you know, it's funny. He goes, "Uh, could you just imagine if Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government? And I said, you know, it's interesting. He wrote the Declaration of Independence, which is a very long essay on why governments should be overthrown if they devolve into absolute despotism. You idiot. How could you make a comment like you author? This is the guy, Thomas Jefferson, who authored the essay that inspired the Continental Congress to overthrow the British government and and sign off on the Revolutionary War. I mean, this is a guy who just doesn't think before he speaks, and he's obviously not going to be held accountable because, you know, the Democrats are not supposed to hold people of other races accountable, unless, of course, they're conservatives and they're not, you know, supposed to be conservatives because they're not, they don't look like the quintessential conservatives. Oh, big evil white person. It's just, it's unbelievable to listen to a guy like Al Sharpton. There's people that actually take him seriously. Uh, it's troubling. There's a lot of useful idiots out there. There's a lot of people who are just downright misled. And I hope that, that at some point in time, something comes across their plate to go, you know, these just aren't, these just aren't my guys. These, this is not my party. Um, like Mark mm-hmm. Fisher, right? Uh, Democrat, the, the Black Lives Matter co-founder of Rhode Island. I give that guy a lot of credit. Yeah, for, uh, for telling the truth. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I mean, Mark Fisher, Mark Fisher, Rhode Island, you know, decides to come out and endorse Donald Trump, um, you know, and, and people giving Trump a lot of problems over that. Oh, it's the Black Lives Matter. I, you know what? He didn't seek the endorsement, but he said thank you. And it's the best thing he could have done to expand the party. Um, you know, as long as he doesn't bend the knee to radicals, I'm fine with it. A lot of people are upset with Donald Trump for saying he was honored to receive that endorsement. He should be happy that despite all of what the media has thrown at him, he can still expand the party and find new voters. Well put. Now, Sean Farish, I know a lot of people listening are big fans of yours and they want to see you. Are you on tour? Are you doing like a comedy tour? What's going on with you? No, we're just uh, right now we're cranking out show after show on uh, on Rumble.com slash LFA TV. Um, and, uh, it is the holiday season. So we're going to be remixing a few, uh, Christmas songs this year, like we mm-hmm. did last year. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we had, uh, Hunter, the white nosed, uh, well, we made a 
joke about him doing drugs. I don't know if we want to say the word on radio, so we'll just play it safe. Uh, yeah. We had uh, a couple of fun songs we put out last year. We have a couple of cool ideas we're going to do this year, uh, and then we'll see what 2024 has in store. You know, um, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, a tough battle, but I think we're going to win. Well, I love the work that you're doing, and uh, whenever you're in New York, give me a call. Maybe we can get together and uh, grab a beer or have some dinner or whatever. It's uh, it's been a while. And I hope to see you on the road if you're at any of the big Christmas parties. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, folks, check out Sean Farish, uh, host of Ungoverned on Rumble.com. Sean Farish, let him know how to find you. Well, sure. You can find us on Rumble.com slash LFA TV. The show is Ungoverned. It runs live Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Truth, Getter, at Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore Farish, F-A-R-A-S-H. Boom. Sean Farish, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed, sir. Thank you, Rich. Always good to be here. You bet. Folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. And again, if you miss any of the interviews that we do on this program, uh, you're absolutely welcome to listen to the replay of them on our website, richvaldesamericaatnight.com, richvaldesamericaatnight.com. Of course, that's Valdez with an S. And you can listen to any one of the interviews. Uh, the shows in their entirety are available for you to stream. You can even subscribe to them as a podcast so you can download them to your own podcast app and listen to them anytime. Uh, but if you just want to stream them from the website, they're absolutely free. You don't have to subscribe to anything. They're always available. About an hour after the show finishes, they go live on the website. So you can do that. And of course, for those of you that are subscribed to my personal podcast, this is America with Rich Valdez. It's about 40 minutes, half hour, 40 minutes. Uh, we do that uh, pretty regularly. Um, thank you. Uh, we had some pretty good numbers. I think I might have mentioned them yesterday, but just to, to shout us out again, because I'm proud of those numbers, uh, America at Night is at number 45, as I think as of Friday. That's in the top 50 of the um, Apple News chart on um, programs that focus on government. And uh, on the same chart, This Is America, was I think at number 92 in the top 100. So uh, both of our programs, both the podcast and, uh, and the podcast of the radio show, are doing uh, well in the top 100 and, uh, of course, the radio show in the top 50. So thank you for everybody that's listening. And I want to check in with our callers. Our, again, our number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to David calling us from San Francisco, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Go right ahead, David. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Rich. Uh, you remember the, the word kleptomaniac, right? A klepto is a, a those, criminal, uh, those are who are uh, addicted to who, stealing. Right. So uh, when your previous guest was uh, trying to put down Thomas Jefferson or put down uh, the uh, Al Sharpton's uh, take on on uh, Donald Trump, 
a government of kleptomaniacs is called a kleptocracy. Yes. And Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson was, uh, uh, had put together his Declaration of Independence against kleptocrats. Yep, the music means we got to go, uh, but I'm with you, David. I don't know what the point was here, uh, but um, I, I agree with you that politicians that steal should not be in office, and those are the types of governments that eventually get overthrown. David in San Francisco, big shout-out to you. Call anytime. We're back in a little bit. Folks, don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night, and we're coming right back. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there Hi, are Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. The octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the Morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Uh, Very happy Tuesday to you. Thank you for joining us. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ, if you want to join us on our late-night national town hall conversation. And uh, we're we're covering the news of the day. We've talked about a number of items. We're going to continue discussing Uh, What's going on today? Speaker Johnson says no more aid to Ukraine without extensive reforms to the immigration system here in the United States. I think that's a really good plan. Uh, Then a little bit later on, we're going to talk about uh, FBI Director Ray uh, saying that terror threats are elevated to an all time high. He was uh, testifying today on Capitol Hill. We got some audio of him. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. Plus, Hillary Clinton. She says we're seeing record climate-related deaths as climate-related deaths hit record lows. <laughs> you, you, you just can't uh, you can't make this stuff up. And and there's another story I want to share with you that I think is a remarkable one. And it it's the story of how one citizen was able to disrupt a sex trafficking operation. Now, of course, this one courageous citizen is a disabled U.S. Army and United States Marine veteran. Uh, he's also a candidate for Congress in Texas, and uh, and he's the founder of uh, All Naturals 
uh, Prepper All Naturals, a survival food company. His name is Jason Nelson, and he's our guest. Jason Nelson, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for being here with us, and thank you for your service. And um, I guess uh, let's start off with a little bit of your background before you tell us about this story of how you interrupted uh, this um, sex trafficking operation. But what was, um, you know, when you were a kid, was this your goal always to serve in the military, or was it something that you just, you know, when you were old enough, you said, you know what, let me give it a shot? Uh, you know, I came from a military background, uh, meaning family. I was adopted into one, and uh, my father was in the U.S. Army, and uh, he was in uh, Army Special Forces. And I, and you know, so you look up to that. But uh, when I turned 18, I joined the Marine Corps. Actually, it was on the Yellow Footprints uh, uh, on my 18th birthday. And I thought, you know, that's going to be all I serve. I served eight years in the Marine Corps, uh, but I got back out, and after college. Um, I still had this yearning to serve, and I had the opportunity to go and serve in Army Special Operations, and I got uh, 11 and a half years in there uh, before I was uh, medically retired um, and, and you know, moved forward into my life. And as you mentioned, I ran for Congress almost right away. I, had to, uh, I wanted to continue to serve my community, and, and I never thought that I would go from that to where we are today, which is, uh, yeah, I started a company, but on top of the other end of that, uh, found myself um, just three months ago in handcuffs with my wife uh, on our first date night out in two years. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite a journey that it's been in that short period of time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and I want to get into that story, uh, this tale of, of how you end up in handcuffs and, and um, you know, while you're uh, on a vacation. So l- let's dig into that a little bit. Um, set the stage for us, if you will. You were uh, on vacation, as I understand it. Is that correct? Well, actually, a local date night. You know, my brother had come into town, and so we just we found the nicest hotel that we could. Uh, The Hotel Indigo was the most expensive. You know, had the suites and all of that, so I could take my wife and she could go have a bath. Uh, for all the ladies in the audience who understand what that's like to be when you have four young children, ages seven. Uh, five, three, and one, all you want sometimes is just a, a, a night away. And, and that's what yeah. we did. We set up a night with a dinner inside. The hotel has a very nice bar and restaurant inside of it. And, and so we went and just stayed at a staycation, if you will, and uh, and, and a normal night out uh, for what most couples who have children would consider, I guess, a normal night out. Sure. Makes sense. So you guys are out. You're out, of, uh, out about town and you do dinner, you're at the bar. Where are you? How does it go down? Uh, walk us through this evening. So, you know, we, we end up uh, going uh, by my wife and I are not drinkers of any type, but we ended up going back up to our hotel room. And as I mentioned, just, just took a bath, cuddled up, went to sleep. And at three in the morning, um, piercing screams. It sounded like a child uh, started uh, reverberating through the suite and my wife and I both woke up simultaneously and we could hear it. And she just looks at me and says, is that a little girl screaming? So immediately I, I, I moved, I threw on some um, pants that fit uh, and went to the door and opened the door. You know, I'm thinking it's a fire or a health emergency. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a girl or a woman screaming. And that's what it sounds like. And I opened the door and the caffeine of noise outside there was, was such a different scene. Um, I open the door and there's just broken glass everywhere. And there's another woman on the, on her cell phone outside of now, the hallway. Just to clarify, you're opening the door from your hotel room to go outside to take a look? 
Yes, into the hallway. Well, it sounded like a medical or a, a fire emergency. And of course, right. I mean, what man isn't going to immediately move to, you know, try and assess the situation and help whatever needs help, right? Sure. So I mean, that's what we've been trained to do for 20 years. And I'm sure any man would do that. I hope you would hope. Uh, uh, in that case, uh, I was the only person. And uh, so I, I went out and opened the door and, and there's just um, – Obviously, the situation was completely different. The woman on the phone was screaming that a man was inside uh, the room, two rooms. Well, it ended up being two rooms down, but down the hallway, uh, and that he was trying to kill the women inside the room. So uh, here in Texas, uh, you know, I carry a firearm, so I retreated to my room, and I told my wife to call 911 and to go hide in the bathtub. And I, 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 you know, got my firearm and moved out in the hallway and then began to assess the situation that was going on out there. I, I looked for hotel security, which just never appeared. Uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 but I moved down and, and began, I could hear where the screams were coming from. And, and uh, at that point, you know, I felt like I had no choice but to uh, attempt to interfere in the situation to save some women's lives. Folks, we are on with Jason Nelson, uh, uh, permanently disabled U.S. Army and Marine veteran, ran for Congress in Texas' 17th District, who was having a date night with his wife, all of a sudden started hearing some screams and uh, just happened to stumble on something that was going down. It turned out to be quite an interesting story. We're going to continue that story straight ahead. If you have a question, uh, comment, or concern, feel free to give us a call, 833 Four eight two five three three seven eight three three four. Valdez is our phone number, and we're coming straight back to Jason Nelson and this incredible story of how one American citizen disrupted a sex trafficking operation. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now eight three three four Valdez. That's eight three three four eight two. America, welcome back. So imagine you're out for a nice little date night. You go into town, you rent yourself the nicest room at the nicest hotel in town, and everybody's turning in for the night, and you hear screaming. Uh, You find out that there's a lady yelling, saying they're killing women in the room down the hallway, and you're the only guy there. What do you do? Well, Jason Nelson is a disabled U.S. Army and Marine veteran. He also ran for Congress in Texas. And he had no choice but to move in. Jason Nelson, tell us what happened next. Right. So we're standing there. I'm in the hallway, and you know, I, I, I won't get into the uh, to bore anyone, but the tactical aspect, if you will, of it. But I essentially banged on the door, moved across the hallway. I wasn't holding the firearm pointed up. It's not like the movies, you know. You just what you're trying to do is draw somebody out. Uh, you don't and, and get as much information as possible. So when I did that the first time, 
uh, announced my presence, that I had a firearm, that someone needed to come to the door. Uh, and the door opened up, and about the biggest man I've ever seen in my life filled the frame. Uh, shirtless, about 375 pounds, taller than I was, and I'm six foot five. And he fills the entire door frame, but I'm looking past him immediately because I assess he doesn't have a firearm. And I look past him to see a woman cowering on the bed and another woman crying behind another bed. And uh, the man starts screaming gibberish at me and immediately slams the door, which shakes the entire wall of the building. And I'm left just speechless, but I now know he starts screaming at the women. I hear, I hear another lamp thrown, and I recognize this man at his size is, is, uh, is an immediate threat to those women. And, and, there's a, and, and again, I look around, no hotel security. I have no idea whether the police are en route or the situation. I just know that, that he's waiting to act and, and to attack, and he is attacking these women and based on the condition of a woman outside of the room who showed, you know, had been beaten up. It's obvious that he intended to cause further harm. As a matter of fact, he started yelling that he was going to kill them right. because there was a man outside with a gun. So what's going through your head? I mean, obviously you don't know what's going on, uh, but it's you and and your gun, and you've got your your wife in your room hiding in the bathtub, and that other woman that was already in the hallway. Um, what's going through your head? Well, you know, I uh, you know I'm I'm 100 combat disabled, so I I didn't have my cane with me, so I can barely move. So what's going through my head is what. I'm by myself. I'm not with a fire team. I don't have the police here. The police could show up at any moment, and at that point, I'm just a man with a gun. Uh, and and there's no hotel security, and no other man has stuck his head out of the hotel uh, room, you know, to 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 come and assist. So so I know that I have no choice but to intervene. So I go ahead and I do it again. I slap on the door, move back across the hallway. He opens the door, and this time he he. He, he sort of lunges towards me, but doesn't you know leave any any dares me. You want to shoot me? Shoot me. I'm, I'm not leaving here. And and he slams the door again, and he tells the women in there that this is going to end with them dead or him dead or me dead. Wow. And so that's where I'm standing there. And at that point, I retreat back to the elevator and just to look: is anybody coming up? Any hotel security? Anyone? And I and no one's there. And so at this point, for the third time, I go down and I slap on the door and I move across the hallway and he opens it up, fills up the whole doorway. And this time he comes stumbling out of the door. And I'm standing there and tactically I still have the advantage, but my hope is that he's going to turn and walk down the hallway and this is going to de-escalate immediately. The police will be on their way. Hotel security would eventually hopefully show up. Uh, and this would de-escalate, and and he did. He started to walk down the hallway, and then he turned around and he grabbed me by the neck and lifted me up and slammed me into the wall, fracturing my spine, and wow. reached over with his other hand uh, and reached for and grabbed the arm that was holding my hand that was holding the firearm, and tried to grab the gun from me, which left me at that point no choice. What'd you do? I, I I had to push up and uh, the at that point you protect the firearm and and, and you you need to just uh, discharge around and that's exactly what I did I discharged around into his abdomen uh, through the side um, and and then at that point yeah, he didn't make a noise so I assumed I missed and he's got me by the neck but he reaches down with the second hand and grabs the firearm and at that 
point, I go into preservation mode. I, I grab onto the other firearm with my other hand, and I cover the trigger, and I start dancing with this man that's about twice my size in this hallway. And you're 6'5". Uh, wrestling with him. I'm 6'5", but, but he outweighs me. I've, I've lost a lot of weight due to my injuries, so he outweighs me about 2 to 1. And I've got no, no, my left side of my body essentially doesn't work. Wow. And I'm wrestling this man in the hallway, not a single loud uh, calling for anyone to come out and help, and no one will. And right when I was at the point where I was going to give up the ghost and, and start just, just striking his eyes, anything I could to distract him from that firearm, uh, he happened to rotate, and I saw blood all over the wall. And I realized that I had struck him when I fired. Oh, boy. <clears throat> but he was, the adrenaline was pumping, and, so he hadn't felt it yet. Well, that and, and, and based on, uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to disparage the, uh, the departed, but, but based on toxicology, uh, more reasons than that, uh, that he was uh, pumped up and, and didn't feel anything because, because he just wasn't capable of feeling anything. But uh, right at that moment, it just seems like that's when, when I noticed the blood is right about the time that he started to drop. So we had wrestled for a full minute. My wife told me later, that she, for when we when she heard the round go off, the gunfire, she had no idea who'd been shot, whether it'd been right. him or me. And she just sat there for a minute, laying there in the bathtub, not knowing if her husband had been killed. So, Jason, what happens now with uh, about a minute to go before uh, the commercial break? Tell me, um, how does this the, does the police finally show up? What happens to you? Uh, well, we attempted to render aid. Finally, a man did come out. We attempted to try and save this man's life. I'd stripped my firearm down and left it within sight of the elevator, and the police did indeed show up. Showed incredible restraint, but nonetheless pulled my wife out of the hotel room with the rifle to her face and uh, put her in handcuffs, myself in handcuffs, and uh, and took us downstairs and put us in a squad car and 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 had to wait for witness statements and 911 calls and for the investigator to come to the conclusion that, that you know, we were, were the people who were rendering aid, not the people who were assaulting right. anyone. Right. You were, in fact, uh, the victim there. And uh, you had to shoot and kill this guy. To, to, uh, and it turns out this was a sex trafficking operation that you, you had stumbled upon and interrupted. And that's that's where the story gets a little bit deeper. It's right when our lawyer had the opportunity to do some investigation. Wow. Well, let everybody know how they could um, listen to the rest of the story, read about the rest of the story, and learn about your um, your food prep business. Oh, well, first of all, I appreciate that. You can always follow me on, on X at, 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 at Real Jason Nelson, common spelling, at Real Jason Nelson. And our, our company, a very proud uh, disabled, 100% combat disabled owned, uh, uh, veteran-owned business is a uh, uh, wholecows.com. Uh, but, um, more importantly, I just want to get this last message out and thank you so much for having me on. But, you know, the whole reason we're raising awareness about this is that the women who were the victims here were victims of a larger sex, uh, sex trafficking. The fact is, is that this happens in small towns everywhere and mm -hmm. Waco is a small town and these women are shipped in from big cities and it's happening right under your noses in the places you would least expect, the most expensive places. And there are no signs to look for you know, other than a lack of security. But our point here is to say that, that you know, if you have even one opportunity to see something, then say something. 
if you do, because you never know when you might have the opportunity to save a young girl's life and help put it back on track or to save her from being further trafficked and victimized. Jason Nelson, you are a, um, uh, a patriot. You're a hero for these women that, you know, you, you took out this bad guy, um, you know, without that intention, but that ended up being the result. I'm glad that even though you were in handcuffs, uh, everything was resolved and they realized you were there, there rendering aid as opposed to, um, being the bad guy in this story. And um, thankfully it ended well uh, with one less bad guy out there, but that's not the case for everybody. So I appreciate everything you're doing to shed more light on human trafficking and sex trafficking uh, throughout our country. Folks, Jason Nelson, make sure you check him out. Follow him on Twitter and also go to his website, wholecows.com. Jason Nelson, thank you for being here, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. You bet. God bless. All right, folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And um, the uh, jobs report is coming out, and it looks like there is a little bit of a slowdown, uh, or at least a slowing demand in the labor market. Job opening slid to 8.73 million last month. That's down 9.35 million in uh, September. And that's how many openings there were. Uh, And, of course, 10.5. Four seven million, uh, same month a year ago. So uh, over the month, the uh, number of hires and total separations changed little at five point nine million and five point six million, respectively, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And not a huge um, difference. People quitting three point six million and layoffs and discharges were one point six million. So that didn't have much of a change. But ADP private payroll numbers are going to be released tomorrow. And on Friday, the actual jobs report will come out. Uh, This is just some of the raw data coming out. But just with this raw data that was coming out uh, today from um, BLS, the stock markets, they uh, they closed um, lower than expected. And it's interesting when we have a labor market that's tightening, it makes me wonder that was the only part of our economy that was kind of doing okay, despite every one of those reports, except for one having to be adjusted because they were inaccurate when they were released. People, uh, you know, had a chance to get a couple of different part-time jobs and now they may not have as much opportunity. What's more, there's another interesting statistic out there that says that 70% of employees are actually lying on their resume. And obviously, it's very easy to get busted doing that nowadays. You've got AI that could check these things all on its own. But, uh, of course, somebody you're just a couple of keystrokes away from Google, and people can figure out a lot of things. So what's going on? Why why are people being less honest? Whatever happened to integrity? What is the deal? Well, we're going to find out. Um, our guest, Joe Frodsham, he's president of CMP, and they uh, they handle lots of different things, including strategic recruiting 
and uh, I'm going to get him to weigh in on this. Joe Frodsham, what say you on this figure that 70% of employees are lying on their resumes? Well, it's all connected, isn't it? I would thank you for, I was listening with rapt attention when you talked about the economic conditions. You know, we, we run an outplacement firm. We Companies hire us to help take on people they lay off. And I've, over the last few months, had more confidential conversations with employers who are planning for layoffs than in my last 10 years running this company. So wow. I'm not surprised to see the, the lightning. I think we're an early indicator of that. And a lot of, lot of um, cost and payroll being shed here before the end of the year, especially with public companies. But it's going to continue on to next year if our if, uh, you know, if, if what we're seeing is indicative of the larger market and often is. Um, but to pivot to the question, yeah, the, the fascinating study, and it was a, a large one too, with thousands of participants, and uh, 70% of people admitted to uh, material lies on their resume, mm. uh, which is fascinating, but absolutely true. Now, you deal with uh, recruitment and whatnot. And obviously, I guess you're advising people and you're finding the right talent for, you know, clients that you're working with is what I would presume. And I know a lot of people embellish a lot of people, um, you know, they, they can stretch the truth here and there. But honestly, if somebody were to ask me to give a number on this, I'd say probably a third, 33 percent. How could it be any more? Seventy uh, percent. That's a huge number. And I know that I'm, I'm reading this stuff from Forbes magazine. And I just think it's uh, crazy. Now, I know the, the, the study you're talking about is the um, Job Applicant Behavior Survey, and it, it, it really is staggering to me. Um, would you, being uh, an industry, industry pro in, in this area, would you have thought it was that high, or are you equally as stunned? It's a little higher than I would have thought, but I knew it was at least uh, a majority. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you're right. We're filling roles all the time, and, you know, we – about half the time, an employer will do background and reference checks. Well, most of the time they do reference checks. Maybe half the time they do background checks just to verify they went to that school, they got that GPA, they got that degree, they worked at these last three jobs when they say they did. And inevitably, I, you know, I, a huge percentage of the time, it comes back with, uh, with misalignment, where, no, it, it appears they were not a manager in, in that company, they were a professional. And where they said they were employed, they're actually a contractor. And they said that, you know, they uh, got that degree while they have hours towards that degree, but they haven't got their diploma yet. I mean, it happens, you know, this stuff's caught all the time. And you're right. I mean, there's this embellishment, right, where you might kind of highlight your results and, you know, other people might have been part of too, but you want to make sure you get credit. That's one thing. And maybe you're just positioning yourselves in the most positive way. But when you factually lie, about degrees, about tenure with the company, about your position, your title, uh, your GPA, um, papers you've written, you know, symposiums. Yeah, matter of fact, George that. Santos, the congressman, was just accused of all of that. Yeah, and it, you know, it was interesting. He he was, and because there was so much ballyhoo around it, he ended up getting, you know, what the eighth, you know, representative ever kind of talk. but. Yeah, I, you know, in my world, he should have been. I mean, you know, he's lost the trust of the people. But this happens in the workplace all the time. So how, how are people getting uh, caught out there is what I want to know. And, and don't answer it just yet. I want to invite people to join the conversation uh, because I think it's an interesting one. And uh, I'm also curious to hear stories out there of people who may have done that. But, folks, we're on with Joe Frodsham. He's president of CMP. 
and we're discussing how 70% of workers uh, lie on resumes, and that's not something he's making up. That's uh, an actual study that just came out, a big study. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. So 70% of workers confess they've lied on their resumes with 37% of those admitting that they lie frequently. 37%, yep. They say, I lie frequently. 33% said, yes, I've lied once or twice. 15% say, no, but I've considered lying. And then there was, let me see how much. Yeah, and uh, 15% as well considered lying. Excuse me. Then you've got 76% of workers admit that they've lied in their cover letters, with 50% of those admitting to lying frequently. 80% of workers say they've lied during a job interview, with 44% of those admitting to frequently lying. And the, the number one culprit for lying are those with master's and doctoral degrees that are reporting higher incidence, uh, incidences of lying uh, frequently. And that those that admit to having lied once or twice, 85%. Absolute insanity. Joe um, Frodshem, he's president of CMP. He's here with us. Uh, Joe, how how do you advise people, or if you're the one doing some of the vetting, how do you catch these people in their lies? Well, one is you've got to thoroughly vet their resume in the interview process. Uh, the rec- you've got to demand that of your recruiters. If you're a hiring leader in a small business or a mid-sized business, or you're being handed resumes from the recruiters, if you're you know in a larger company, uh, you've got to go through pixel by pixel, especially the last ten years, and just really, really ask them about the role and validate that it sounds convincing. And I would also recommend do background checks earlier versus later. You know, validate or verify these places of employment and these achievements and these degrees and. You know, it's interesting you brought up that stat. 87% of people who have an advanced degree, you know, PhD, have admitted to lying, right? Now, one reason for that is because there's so much they can lie about. I mean, symposiums and papers and theses and other forms of contribution that kind of go hand in hand with getting a PhD. Um, But it's become so normal, it's almost expected, which is unfortunate. Um, Because what we've also found on the other side of it is, Employers, and I've seen this literally a hundred times in the last few years, employers who hire people who they know lied on the resume, but they fell in love with them during the, the interview process, or they just need somebody. So we'll, we'll look beyond it and look over it. Inevitably, they wish they hadn't, because guess what? If they're very willing to blatantly lie on a resume, they probably have some character issues that might show up in the workplace, right? 
Um, you know, they yeah. might not be the best teammate. They might fudge as far as attribution on what they did. They might not, you know, they might rather lie versus work hard. They, it, it is a massive character flaw that will often uh, show up in the workplace. So I'd t- say take it seriously. And if that means you pass on a candidate that otherwise looks great, you might want to think of doing that, honestly. Now, Joe Frodsham, um, I think that's good advice. When we, especially now, right, we talked about the, the shrinking labor market now, um, and, and you, you said that you're dealing with people that have all been talking about eliminating jobs uh, as the economy tightens and things don't really improve uh, under the current administration. Um, how would you advise people that are looking uh, for jobs, especially a full-time job at this point in their career or a, a job change? Um, are there any good jobs out there that you, in any sector that you can uh, point to, or does it really seem to be shrinking across the board? Well, you know, there's always industries and sectors that do well. And, and you ask exactly the right question, right? So I'll give you an example. Healthcare. Healthcare uh, especially hospitals got bloated with with COVID. When COVID recessed and went away, um, all the healthcare providers, basically every single, almost every single hospital system in America, laid people off. There was a massive layoff. You didn't hear about it as much. You heard about the you know technology laying people off. But healthcare went through a certain, a similar purge. So there's a lot of people on the street with healthcare. Uh, they're going to be doing rehiring because they got too thin in some areas. They just did. Um, so I think healthcare is always jobs out there and it, you don't have to be a clinician right you can do accounting finance procurement you know there's there's other roles in the healthcare ecosystem and it's just enormous so I, I i think that's going to be a healthy place to kind of look back to even though they just got you know rid of jobs but that was mostly again bloat from from covid technology right. will be rehiring and then life sciences certainly i think finance has gone through a, a swizzle but i do think that they're going to be hiring again so i there are industries that are going to do well, but overall, there's, there's the belt tightenings out there. There's capital on the sidelines with the interest rates being as high as they are, with the uncertainty with wars and constrained oil and gas and some even regulation, honestly, is, is bringing some concern, a lot of concern with leaders I know that you know are investing or not investing and making those decisions. They don't like uncertainty and they don't like high interest rates. And both <laughs> of those are kind of going on right now. But I think what's what saved the U.S. a little bit is it's been a safe haven compared to other places in the world. So money stayed here and it's kept circulating. It kind of kept us buoyant, but uh, but not so much anymore. So I, I, long way of answering, it is going to tighten up. That's what our indicators show us. But there's always industries. There's always good jobs for good people. You don't need to lie, though. You know, what I've found in, in recruiting for jobs and roles is one is we overweight the resume. The fact is, is when you get in front of a recruiter, they're going to want to, they're, they're asking themselves, does this person, will this person embarrass me or make me look like a hero if I moved on on to the hiring manager? Mm. Um, they want yeah. people that will make them look good. So interviewing really well, telling a concise story, being on topic, getting that, making sure you've done your research on why you'd be a great candidate. Um, if you can hit it in the interview, just get in front of them. Um, trust me, that will, what I would say, cover a lot of uh, maybe less than perfect things on your resume. Right. Um, so take the interview very seriously. Don't overweight and worry. If it says seven years of experience, you only got six. Apply anyway. Makes sense. Joe Frodsham, I want you to tell us a little bit about your book, Don't Dread Monday, Your Guide to Career Success. 
Uh, you literally wrote the book on it. I want you to share it with the listeners when we come back. Folks, again, uh, we're on with Joe Fraudsham. He's the author of the book, Don't Dread Monday. We're coming right back with your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with Joe Fraudgem. He is the author of Don't Dread Monday, Your Guide to Career Success. And Joe Fraudgem, um, Obviously, you wrote the book because you have experience uh, with with your company and and doing this, and you're the man on that. But what's the the big takeaway for folks that are looking to, you know, make a, a lateral move or, or even a, a a move up in this job market or trying to just get out of being underemployed or unemployed and and get into in their field again? You know, people that are still displaced from COVID. What's your advice to them? Well, one is, you know, they, they, they've got to really figure out what they really want and love and really what they choose to work on. I mean, we all have core needs, and, and it's not a small issue. What we, You know, we did a massive study um, behind two books. The most recent one was Don't Dread Monday, which, by the way, is co-authored with Marianne Pina. Uh, it was also my wife, by the way. So um, and <laughs> Make Mary, sure you plug and I, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But she, she's, a, she's a wonderful saint, trust me. She needs to be obviously, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's our study really showed a couple of things. We have a career health indicator that we administered to literally thousands of people. We found that at any given time, only roughly 10% of people really love their job. The vast majority thought it was just okay or even just hated it. And that 10% that loved their job, that was even transient um, because, you know, one month they loved it. Six months later, they didn't love it so much. There's only about 3% that consistently over year, month, you know, decade over decade, love their job. And we, we studied that 3%. What do they do differently than everyone else? And that's kind of an answer to your question, getting around to what our research showed us is one. Right. They understand themselves very deeply. They knew what they loved and what needed a job, freedom, autonomy, creativity, whatever it is they needed. And two, they worked the organization to realize that it wasn't just good enough to do a good job. They had to also work their career, build relationships with these stakeholders at a very deep level, stay ahead of the curve as far as what the company actually needed, and proactively initiate and create the space and the role that they wanted. We talk about it in the book, but those three things are highly doable, and they're what the 3% that are constantly loving what they do and supportive for it are doing every day. Well, Joe, I want you to let everybody know how they can get a copy of the book uh, Don't Dread Monday, Your Guide to Career Success. Uh, that's by Joe Frodsham and Marianne Pena, the co-author, his wife, the boss. And uh, yep. let them know how they can get a copy of the book as well as how they could uh, 
uh, follow the work that you're doing, whether it's a website or a social media account? Yeah, like, I, one is you can go to don'tredmonday.com, and our book is out there. You can purchase our book there or at Amazon or any of the book outlets. It's it's there and available. And it's also available, you know, at careermp.com. That's C-A-R-E-E-R-M is in Paul.com, careermp.com. We are the largest minority woman-owned firm in the nation that supports the full talent life cycle. Offices all over. And uh, we're, we do deep research when it comes to talent acquisition, development, transit, all talent issues that have to do with individuals and organizations. So, you know, in fact, we have a, a sub-brand now called LatinoCareerAssessment.com, which is the first validated assessment ever to support the advancement of an ethnic group. So wow. you can see all of that out there if you go to CareerMP.com. All right. Well, there we go. Check out the website. Joe Fraudsham, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Have a great You one. bet. Likewise. All right, folks, we're coming back with Open Phone America. It's your turn to weigh in. Give us a call. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're going to talk about everything that happened during the daytime right now at night, plus uh, anything you want to bring to the table that we haven't discussed yet, feel free. Open Phone America is coming up right now. You can get your calls in. Don't move a muscle because hour number three is coming up right now. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. with an S. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. And I want to um, invite you to call for Open Phone America. It's where you get to call in and weigh in on whatever, you know, what, whatever's on your mind. And what's uh, interesting in the news tonight, a few things that we've talked about, 70% of people that apply uh, for jobs use resumes where they've lied uh, we also discussed Gold Bar Bob, Gold Bar Bob, <laughs> the gold bars that he was stashing in his winter coats in his closet because he says, you know, that's what you do because we're Cuban, right? And he said, because we're our, my family's Cuban, that's what he said, that they had to stash some of their um, gold bars in their closet. Well, it turns out that the gold bars that the FBI uh, obtained in the raid were actually stolen from the guy who was accused of bribing him in addition to the uh, Egyptians. So uh, Gold Bar Bob's got a few problems on his hand. Then we heard a remarkable tale of a permanently disabled combat veteran who came to the rescue of some girls that were being, um, uh, some say they were going to be killed by um, this, this crazy large man, and he ended up shooting this guy. 
And it was uh, the story of how this one man uh, put an end to that part of a human trafficking ring. And really, there's just a lot going on. We hear about the jobs report that's coming out this weekend or this this Friday. Rather, the stock market uh, slowed down a little bit in anticipation of a shrinking job market. And uh, just plenty, plenty to go around. Earlier, I mentioned that Representative uh, Patrick McHenry is going to be um, retiring at the end of this term. He was the uh, interim uh, acting speaker uh, when McCarthy was ousted. And uh, there's a few other things that I wanted to get to. I also wanted to get to Christopher Ray, who uh, was uh, in Congress today. And there we have a little clip from Ibram X. Kendi. You know, he's one of my least favorite. And uh, a couple other things. And Trump was also blasting back at Joe Biden. But I want to... Alex, can you hear me? Okay, I wanted to um, get to some of this audio as well. Let's see here. Where was the audio that I wanted to go to? Christopher Ray. Christopher. FBI Director Christopher Ray. Well, as we try to track it down, here we go. Cut number 12. It's an exchange with uh, Ted Cruz and Christopher Ray. But first, uh, here's the one I was looking for. We have, oh, we have three of them. Oh, this is great. We're going to hear them all because this is these guys really took him to town. Um, I want to start with number 11. Christopher Ray was at a hearing today uh, where agents were not disciplined for targeting Catholics because it wasn't intentional. <laughs> they accidentally uh, called them RADTRAD, which stands for Radical Traditional Catholic. Listen to this. But I can tell you that we don't investigate people for their exercise of their constantly protected, constitutionally protected religious expression. I, that I particular can't. intelligence product is something that as soon as I saw it, I was aghast. I had it withdrawn. Really, you were aghast. I was. And, oh, really? Yes, and what sir. have you done about it? Did you fire the people who wrote it? No, I had it withdrawn. Have you fired anybody involved in it? Senator, if you would give me a chance to answer That's a your yes question. or a no. It's not hard. Have you fired anyone involved in the writing of that outrageous memo about which, frankly, you've repeatedly misled the public? Yes or no? The individuals involved have in that product fired were anyone? not, just a minute, were not found to have engaged in any intentional or bad faith conduct. And in fact, in fact, Senator... A number of the individuals the involved. No. A number of the individuals involved in writing that product in the Richmond office were themselves Catholics. So the notion oh, I see. that so they were targeting they, their own oh, faith. Oh, so they is had to get out of jail free card. I see. I they, see. So you're immune and they're that. immune. So we shouldn't ask questions about it. You haven't done a darn thing. You haven't fired anybody. <laughs> they haven't fired any they're not planning on firing anybody anybody. Now Christopher Ray and the FBI say that when they interviewed a priest, a choir director, that was all part of a, an investigation of, of individuals, not of Catholics, uh, let alone that they planted people and tried to recruit uh, informants in churches that had Latin mass. And we heard um, Merrick Garland testify about that, saying, no, we knew, and that was wrong. But, you know, we, we're not doing that anymore. Anyway, the, um, the subcommittee of the Judiciary Committee called the House Weaponization Committee found no legitimate basis for the FBI memo inserting federal law enforcement into Catholic churches. I would agree with that. Um, you know, if if something is going to be sacrosanct, it should be a mosque, it should be a church, it should be, you know, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm not saying that there are not bad people in, in uh, synagogues, mosques, and churches. Uh, I'm sure that somewhere there might be, but 
at some, you can't just willy nilly just go and say, well, you know, because they're they're uh, what they call rad trad, radical traditional Catholics, and these guys like to listen to Latin mass. Um, then, um, you know, we're just going to put people in there and try and find out more about what's going on. You know, who knows? Maybe these people will go to the school board meetings. Maybe these people uh, have uh, interacted with Trump on Twitter. I mean, the the, the level of police stateness word I'm going to use right now, um, and and the level of of just being tan sinvergüenza, right? In Spanish, being so without shame is just remarkable to me. But the FBI says that their interviews of the priest and whatever, these were done in good faith. And uh, this is after the uh, back and forth with Christopher Ray earlier today. So uh, I'm curious to know what you guys think about uh, about this stuff and about everything else we talked about tonight. So I'm going to give you the phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And let's, uh, let me see, where do we go? Let's go to uh, Craig. Craig is calling from Wichita, Kansas on KQAM. Craig, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Actually, I'm from Topeka, Kansas. Okay. <laughs> from uh, 580, but that's fine. But uh, I just wanted to go to your earlier segment uh, sure. to where you had talked about uh, Al Sharpton. Oh, and yeah. Al Sharpton was talking about people voting for uh, a felon. And, right. and uh, I thought that somewhat hypocritical because the Democrat Party now for years has been wanting for felons to be able to vote. So why couldn't a felons vote for another felon? Yeah, right. It's, it's a very good point, Craig, from Topeka. Big shout out to Topeka. And you're, I think you're right. If, if this was their position that they want 16 year olds to vote and they want felons to vote and they want, you know, pretty much no restrictions on voting. Um, same day registration. You're right. These are all of their policies and uh, him making the case that it's disparaging uh, and it seemed disparaging, right? It wasn't just uh, to me, matter of factly said where he was saying, well, he may not even be able to vote for himself. It was kind of like he was taking a dig at him. Like, you know, I can't take it. He can't even vote for himself. Um, so uh, I get you uh, kind of um, disparaging their position on it. I could see how that could be made. Now, um, with with respect to what you heard about Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, and saying that, look, we didn't know that, you know, they were Catholics. We just, you know, we were interviewing these people and they just happened to be a choir director or whatever. But we, we, we know through internal FBI whistleblowers and memos that they've released that the FBI did um, recruit informants from churches that were held Latin mass. Craig, what are your thoughts on the government putting federal law enforcement into religious institutions to try to get information on people that disagree with federal policy? It's just totally wrong. Uh, I must say, as I was growing up, I was in the Catholic uh, religion. Uh, I, I was an older boy. I knew the Catholic mass in Latin. Uh you know, I went to a Jesuit school. Oh, so maybe they, uh, they would label you as a rad trad, radical traditionalist Catholic, because they say if you go, if you've been to a Latin mass, you could be a radical traditional Catholic. Yes, yes. But at the same time, I don't hold to that now in my later life. But at the same time, it's it's just not it's not real. They shouldn't be doing this stuff. There's some local people here in Topeka, Kansas. To have some of the same views that they, you know, 
they should be hard on some of these people that are, uh, you know, St. Pius people. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, uh, it's it's just a get. It shouldn't be done. You know, it's it's over government. You know, Craig, you're. I think you're 100 percent right. And it's fascinating to me that an FBI agent was carjacked in Washington D.C. last week. Um, in his FBI police car and they all they did was put pictures saying, you know, these are the people we're looking for. Meanwhile, they're inside Catholic churches uh, recruiting informants. They're using facial recognition software to find every last grandma and grandpa and person that attended uh, the Stop the Steal rally uh, on the day of January 6th. And anybody that was even on the Capitol grounds, even if you didn't go in the building, they were bringing you in for questioning and some of them got locked up for parading and trespassing on Capitol grounds, not even going in the building. Uh, I think that's remarkable that they have those resources available, uh, but they um, they instead um, just put a, this is the guy we're looking for that stole our FBI police car. Crazy. FBI is getting carjacked. Just absolutely crazy. I don't remember that happening uh, during the Trump years. And I think all of this happens because people take Joe Biden as a joke. Anyway, Craig, thanks for the call. Topeka, Kansas. Um, Big shout out to everybody listening in Kansas. We got more calls coming in. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, Familia, welcome back, amigos. And Fox 5 DC is reporting that a 17-year-old was arrested and charged with the carjacking of the FBI agent in Washington, DC. So they finally caught the guy uh, using their investigatory prowess. Police arrested the suspect accused of carjacking an FBI agent in North Week uh, Northeast DC last week. The documents say that 17-year-old Devonta Lynch is facing several charges in connection with the November 29th incident, but police are continuing to search for a second suspect. Police say the FBI employee had just gotten out of her 2009 blue Chevy Malibu around 3.45 p.m. when the two armed suspects approached her and uh, the victim told police that she was zipping up her jacket when she was knocked down to the ground and became disoriented. She said she remembered being on her back, then looking up to see one of the suspects pointing a gun at her. The man demanded her keys and her phone. The victim said there was a struggle, but the suspect was able to wrestle both items away from her. He hopped uh, into the driver's seat while another suspect got into the passenger seat and the pair sped away, leaving her injured with a cut lip. 
the uh, victim's phone was later uh, recovered, and so was the vehicle a little while later. A review of the surveillance footage showed the suspects ditching the car 15 minutes after taking it. I guess they figured out, oh, snap, we just stole an FBI car. The uh, court documents also show that detectives received an anonymous tip saying that Lynch was one of the suspects and that he had a court order GPS monitor on. (laughs) The guy's carjacking people with an ankle bracelet on his ankle. I mean, you just can't make this up. These guys are members of a gang called the Area 71 gang. So there you have it. That's what's going on in D.C. and the FBI um, are busy getting carjacked. And I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, as well as um, spying on Catholics. Now let's go to Doc Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Doc, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Rich, thanks to you and Mr. Tom, your screener, for taking my call, as always. I want to give yes, you some sir. historical background, as I, as I told Tom. This is part of a, pro- of a program called COINTELPRO. That stands for Counterintelligence Program. Started under President Eisenhower to spy on domestic left-wing communists and radicals. It's been used by every president since uh, to spy on people. When, when there's a right-winger in office, a Republican, they spy on left-wing radicals. When there's a, right, a left-winger in office, like Joe Biden, they spy on what they, they, they deem are threats from the right. So you should be surprised by them spying on Catholics because they equate Catholics and people such as myself, who's East, East Orthodox Christian, they equate us with the Klan and everything else. So you should be surprised by this stuff, Rich. It's been going on for decades, decades. There are books about it. It's crazy, Doc. It's crazy. I, I never, you know, I guess we never saw it reported as much. At least I'd never seen this stuff reported um, the, the way it is. And uh, when you combine that with how they are treating parents that are in opposition to policies, um, you know, the radical policies that, that you know, will prepare their children. Like, just for example, the, the one we talked about at the top of the hour with Sean Farish, where the one, the mom of an 11-year-old uh, daughter sent her kid on a school trip from Colorado to good old Washington, D.C., and then finds out that her kid's sharing a room with a, a boy, an 11-year-old boy, and they're sharing the same bed. I think that's going to upset a lot of parents. I, I don't think most parents are going to say, ah, don't worry about it. Is the boy wearing girl pajamas? All right, then we're good. You know, I don't think most parents are going to go for that. So when you see that combined with, you know, what you're talking about, this counterintelligence program uh, of domestic spying, which honestly, whether it's been going on for 50 years or, or 15 minutes, um, the FBI shouldn't be spying on any of us. Now, I know what you're saying is um, that these things have happened, and uh, they're not good. And uh, we know that the FBI spied on uh, Martin Luther King. and I mean, there's been uh, so many weaponizations uh, and uh, corrupt usages, uh, uses, I should say, of the FBI historically. And I think we've kind kind of finally reached a fever pitch where we're, we're in bad shape. Um, but doc, that's, I think what it is when people see that all this is happening at once, it's like, what's going on here? What country do we actually live in? You know what I mean? Rich, may I make another comment real quickly? Yeah, go right ahead. I think we need this program. I think we need this program, Rich, but only for, only for spies that are in our country that are American traders and number two, domestic terrorists of all types. In other words, people of the right or the left who are definitely domestic terrorists, Rich, we're going to blow something up. All right. We catch them in the act before they blow something up. We get them, we give them 20 to life, put them away, throw, lock, lock them up, throw the key away. That's what the FBI should be doing. They shouldn't be spying on people who are, who are, who are devout Catholics or devout uh, Buddhists, what have you. 
just practicing their First Amendment right to, to freedom of religion and speech. That's, that's yeah, a no-no you know, in my book. I think you're right, Doc. And ultimately, I don't think we need any program. I think if there's a crime that's sus- suspected and we have a person and you get a warrant, then you go through the, the rules that you have. The problem is when you start creating these special programs or even special courts like FISA, then voila, you get to abuse all of these special uh, statuses and, and systems that we've created. I think we need to reduce the size of it and just stick with things the way they, at least in my brain, it's simpler that way. Doc, thank you for the call. Folks, we're coming back with your calls and more. We got calls from Montana, Indiana, North Carolina, and more coming through. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Are there any senators in the chamber who wish to vote or change a vote? If not on this vote, the A's are 50 and the nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided, the Vice President votes in the affirmative, and the motion is agreed to. All right, that is Vice President Kemala Eris. Now, Vice President Kemala Eris is the new record holder. She has broken a nearly 200-year-old record for Senate tiebreaker votes. That's right. She just cast her 32nd tiebreaker vote. Why? Because the margin uh, in the Senate is so thin that they need this tiebreaker vote time and again. Well, guess what? Nearly 200 years ago, back in eight, from 1825 to 1832, in those uh, eight years, Vice President John C. Calhoun, he had done 31 tiebreaker votes. And no other vice president until now had to cast so many tiebreaker votes. And, uh, you know, you take that how you want. This is something I look at and I say, my goodness, you know, look at how aggressive they're being in, in trying to uh, push their, their agenda to make sure that, you know, they, they have this majority. And, and listen, I, if I were in their shoes, I, I might do the same. But I think the other side of this is that we, um, we shouldn't be celebrating this. We should be saying, you know, come on, lady, um, you know, stop with the tiebreaker votes here. <laughs> uh, either way, she did get congratulated and she was congratulated by the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Listen to this. Today is historic. Vice President Harris has just cast her 32nd tiebreaking vote, the most tiebreakers ever. I join all of my colleagues on both sides of the aisle, thanking the vice president for her leadership and for making the work of the Senate possible. The record Vice President Harris sets today is significant, not just because of the number, but because of what she's made possible with tie-breaking votes. Without her tie-breaking votes, there'd be no American Rescue Plan, no Inflation Reduction Act, and we would not have confirmed many of the excellent federal judges now presiding on the bench. Every time duty is called, 
Vice President Harris has answered more than any other vice president in our nation's long and storied history. Today, I also want to thank the vice president for doing all this while juggling the immense responsibilities of her office. She's led the charge on protecting freedom of choice. She's fought for climate justice, for criminal justice reform, common sense gun safety. Our children, yada, our children yada, will live yada. in a healthier, more secure, more prosperous nation, thanks to her lifetime of service. So thank you, Vice President Harris. This is a great milestone, and yours is even a greater legacy. Let us continue working together to make life better for all Americans. Okay, well, there's Chuck Schumer. Life is getting better for all Americans because she's casting tie-breaking votes. Uh, whatever. You could spin it how you like. That's that's the story. I just think it's uh, it's just fascinating that this is a great milestone. It's history in the making. Uh, you know, I mean, we could have just easily moved on to, to doing other things, but they are, they're very proud of this. Uh, the big government folks are very, very proud of their big government. Schumer uh, presented Harris with a golden gavel after the vote. Uh, she was beaming as she made, quote unquote, history from the Senate days and um, uh, Dias, excuse me. And she said afterward uh, that she was truly honored. Oh, isn't that cute? Well, I'm not honored, um, Kemalitis. I think that's a, a silly thing. Giving you a golden gavel for what? Parake. Because you, you're casting time. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a cynic here. Maybe I need to be more positive. I am trying to be more positive, so I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I want to uh, go to your calls. And let's see. Let's go to uh, John in Long Island, New York. Um, WLAD. John, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. I think this is a very good topic, Rich. Um, you know, they're murdering the left, whoever is, they're murdering children in these buildings we call, uh, well, they're, to me, they're extermination centers. Um, they like to call themselves uh, the places, the, the, the clinics, but I don't think there's anything clinical about uh, taking the life of someone. And <clears throat> what I'm referring to is that you, the subject you have had on is Catholics being um, followed, spied, spied upon. On. Yeah. Um, yeah, spied on, I guess is the word. And um, whether our government has the right to do that, um, I don't think they do. I think it's the wrong. I think they're using the freedom because they're not showing to us our complaints that what's going on in those buildings, where are the pictures of the people that they're killing? I, don't, I never see any of these people spying on to see if the children that are that are being murdered are actually children or blobs of tissue, which one of us is right, Schumer or me? Right, and you know, John, uh, I don't know. I think the FBI has so many resources that they could use in so many different directions, and they could do things the right way. Um, but it seems like it's just hyper politicized, and they weaponize the the manpower in the FBI to get to bring about a political change and to, to 
bring about their own political will. And wh- whatever the issue is, um, I don't think it changes until we actually have a change in leadership and maybe even like um, a revamp of the FBI and saying, you know what, You're, this is it. We got to pull the plug. I don't think that's going to happen. That's why they're solidifying their brand new building and all that funding for the brand new building and maintaining their legacy as a, a staple in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. But it, it's it's unfair. And I think the FBI should only investigate people that are guilty or at least suspected of a crime um, not every last person because of a political issue. You know, if you don't like me because of what I say on the radio, um, doesn't mean you get to spy on me, right? I'm not doing anything illegal. If you don't like somebody because of their faith, doesn't mean you get to spy on them. They're not doing anything illegal. And, and, and this is what I mean. I think they just overstepped their bounds time and again. And that's something that we can't really tolerate. John in Long Island, New York, WLAD. Thanks for the call, brother. I appreciate it. And folks, we're going to continue with the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Joe and Serena Wales say their 11-year-old daughter was assigned a hotel room with three other students. Her bedmate informed her that he was a boy who identifies as transgender. Serena says she was also on the trip and her daughter called her from the bathroom. She actually got along really well with the other student, but just felt uncomfortable with the idea of being in bed with a biological boy. Serena says she and her daughter met with a chaperone and were told they were not allowed to discuss the issue with anyone else. Eventually, the other child was moved to a different room with one of the other girls. But these parents want action from Jefferson County Public Schools. For me, it was is really frustrating. According to the family's attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom, the district policy states that students who identify as the opposite sex should be assigned to share overnight accommodations with other students that share the student's gender identity consistently asserted at school. Attorney Kate Anderson says parents should be informed and given a chance to opt out of a room assignment like this ahead of time. It'd be very easy to do this confidentially by providing this policy to parents and letting them work things out ahead of time, who their kids are going to room with, without revealing anybody's identity or who's going to be scheduled into the rooms ahead of time. They could just let parents know and let them opt out of it ahead of time. Now, the U.S. Department of Education says schools are required to protect the privacy of transgender students and not to discriminate. Kim Posey, Fox 31. You know, what's funny is that the U.S. Department of Education has like very little to do with just about anything. These are local school board matters. And it, it just amazes me. You got this guy. Um, what's his name? Miguel Cardona. Uh, is he the guy or is it Javier Becerra? I always get them confused. Um, but either way, Cardona, um, who doesn't know what Reagan said and how Reagan said it. 
He's from the government. He's here to help. That's he's part of the problem. And uh, this whole thing is just it's silly. I mean, everybody should know you're not going to do that with somebody's kid. People are going to complain. And that's it. It's just it it makes sense. You know, if if it's a Girl Scout trip and all the girls are sharing uh, hotel rooms. All right. No problem. It's a Boy Scout trip. No problem. Everybody knows that's how it works. But when you, you know, you're going to say, well, the Girl Scout now identifies as a Boy Scout. Well, now we've got a problem, Houston. I think that's absolutely insane. Anyway, let's go to your calls and get your reactions on this stuff. Let's go to Joe in Salem, Arkansas, K-S-A-R. Joe, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yeah, Rich, I've been going to tell you this for a while first uh, before my point. Uh, I like the way your show divides up the three areas of talk radio, um, monologue, guest, and callers. You, you got that on balance better than any anybody I know. Thank you. Thank uh, you betcha, and uh, you're good and fair and, and so on. Now, on this FBI thing, where I live here in this small town and around, the men don't, uh, they don't think that the, mil- uh, the military should be having women in combat, and the same thing for the FBI. And that's my opinion, but it's shared by a lot of men. We like the ladies, but I, you know, she may have been office personnel, and if so, that's great, but... Uh, and, you know, they should be paid well, but they shouldn't be put out there as a double target. These punks, you know, they, mm-hmm. they look at uh, the women a lot uh, worse than they do the uh, big, strong, burly FBI agent as far as attacking them. Um, so anyway, that's that's uh, uh, people might not like uh, my opinion, but that, I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> I love that. Well, Joe, you know, I agree with you. And I think uh, right back to the story we just discussed. I think it's exactly the same way, right? If Whether it's women on the front line in the military, women are on the front line of getting carjacked in D.C., and women that are being, or young women, 11-year-old girls that are being placed uh, in a bed with an 11-year-old boy that identifies as a girl, this is all coming from the same place, right? It's all of these um, very progressive left-leaning policies that people seem to think that these things are okay, that it's okay to have crime. It's okay not to fight back. It's okay to have your kid in bed with somebody else, uh, you know, and uh, that the parents didn't agree to, to, to do. And it, it, to me, it's, it's the real issue here is the um, erosion of values, the erosion of tradition, uh, just how things are just changing so quickly. It's like a cultural rot, if you will, Joe. Absolutely. I tell you, we'd be better off if everybody go back to the old school, right? I'm with you on that one. People say, oh, that's racist. I don't think it's racist. I think we just, there's nothing wrong with talking with somebody who says, you know what? Men should defend women. Men should create a safe environment for women. And we shouldn't be putting women in harm's way. I think you're 100% right on that. And let them call us what they're going to call us. Right, Joe? Godspeed to you, sir. Thanks for the call, and I appreciate your compliment. Uh, let me see. Where do I go from here? Let's go to Frank, Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I. Frank, you heard about the, the, the stolen cars and the uh, carjacking. What do you want to talk about tonight? I want to talk about a different form of theft. I mean, the original, uh, in the original hour, a caller was talking about kleptomania uh, yes. in, in America. And, you know, the history of shoplifting, too, it goes back to the Victorian times when women had large, long dresses 
They could, oh, yeah. they could hide anything in there. They were the biggest right, right. thieves. Right, right. like plastic form beneath them to make it really poofy. And then men started wearing long trench coats, too, and politicians. And it was, uh, you know, like just uh, all these preachers, you know, Al Sharptons and uh, whatever, you know. All you need is a big, long trench coat and a Bible and probably hide a shotgun under your coat. Uh, I mean... Just imagine, Frank, imagine this for, for your mind's eye, right? A little theater of the mind for everybody listening. Imagine Chuck Schumer wearing one of those long trench coats, and it seems like he's already creepy as it is, and uh, Kemala Harris, the vice president of the United States with her golden gavel, also uh, in a long trench coat. And to top it off, we bring in some English tradition and put them in white wigs. That would be a sight for sore eyes. Folks, we're coming right back, and we'll continue our discussion. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So we left off talking about Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, and of course, uh, Chuck Schumer uh, wearing long trench coats uh, like they did back in the days. And uh, like when the wig party was around with those powdered wigs, imagine if it was like the House of Lords, the House of Commons, and they were those kinds of politicians. I tell you, Kamala Harris would get a lot more attention if, if she had a white wig, I think, because she'd look kind of funny in that long coat, you know, which reminds me of uh, our little song. We have a song for her. Let me get my maracas. Of course, that is the Que Mala Eres theme song that we've created here on America at Night. And I love to hear that whenever we can. Let's go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Go right ahead quickly. Hi, Rich. My two cents real quick. Uh, with the 11-year-old girl, that would uh, highly piss me off. My daughter is 40 <laughs> years old, and I wouldn't. I don't blame those parents, okay? Now, I think, and it sounds to me like maybe that um, um, after hearing Schumer and so forth, with the, oh, she's the deciding vote on this or that, do you suppose maybe they're um, trying to groom her for the Democratic presidential candidate for 2024. I mean, it scares the death out of me, but (laughs) Paul, I would, I would love that. I think that's the matchup of a lifetime. Imagine Donald Trump running against K. Malaeris. I mean, it's, it's like taking candy from a baby. Um, I think it would be a terrific matchup. I don't think it's going to happen. And that's why, because they know she's always been a historically weak candidate. Uh, But Paul, thank you. Let's go to Catherine in Rolla, Montana, KTTR. We're, down to the wire. We don't have a ton of time, but go right ahead. Okay. I'm Catholic, and I know a Catholic who's a domestic terrorist. And what he have lives- they done? What kind of domestic terrorism have they done? Okay. He lives Quickly. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> is his name Joe Biden? Biden is the southern border. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right, Catherine. Joe Biden is conducting domestic terrorism at the southern border, overseeing the largest human smuggling operation 
that I've ever seen, and he's doing it right from the White House. I, I couldn't have said that any better myself. That is an excellent point, and I thank you for it. Um, Matt in Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, how are you, sir? Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Now, it says here that uh, Israel might be planning to flood uh, Hamas, the underground tunnels. I think that that is probably a good idea as long as they could send in some special forces and uh, get the hostages out of there. Um, Otherwise, you know, you you risk killing the people that you're trying to rescue. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not happen, but... The music means I got to go. Matt, thank you for the call. Robert in Charleston, South Carolina. If the girl and boy get along, they should be okay to room. Absolutely not. You're out of your mind, Robert. I can tell you've never had kids. But um, when we get to talk again next time, we'll disagree a little bit more. Folks, until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. Take care. Good night. And God bless America. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.